Thanks so much for being here. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thank you for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars men and women now. Ladies, welcome. Glad you're here with us too. God has really expanded our God Behind Bars ministry. They, they told us because of COVID we cannot go in and meet, which is very frustrating. Our teams love to go and just love on the guys and be there. But because of that, God's expanded us also. And now we are sending DVDs of these messages to every prison in the state of Texas. So God has really expanded what we're doing, which is exciting. So just really thankful for all of our volunteers and our team that make that happen. We have a great crew of people. So let's start with a mission statement. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. Oh, you guys weren't into it. We're doing that again. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's right. That's who we are as a church. That's who we are called to be. And so thank you for being a part of our services. It's good to see people filling up the back rows here at church again as well. Thanks for being here. Great to have all you guys. So people are starting to come back. I love that. We're glad you guys are here. You know, I'm excited about this message because if you turn on the television, if you go on the news, if you go on Twitter or anything else nowadays, it seems like everywhere you look, people are fighting, right? I mean, people are fighting over causes they believe in. People are fighting because of racial tension. People are fighting in politics. People are fighting everywhere, it seems like now. Then you turn off the TV, you turn off your phone, and then you start fighting with your family. And so fighting seems to be the trend this year. 2020 has not really turned out to be the year we thought, right? I mean, this has been crazy. And of course, now we have a storm in the Gulf, but we're just going to believe God that that's just going to calm on down and we're going to be just fine. How's that sound? We're going to be just fine. Praise God. But because of all that, a lot of people are fighting in their families. And I really feel led to challenge you not to fight with your family, but to fight for your family. I believe God wants us to fight for our families, fight for our marriages, fight for our children, fight for the hearts and minds of those that God's called us to be in family with, in connection with. And because of that, we want to do a series on this. And I, I find it interesting, if you look at who the person in the Bible who said, fight for your family, that's a phrase from the Bible. It's actually someone that you didn't think would say it. I could hear David saying it. You know, it would be a great psalm. I could hear Moses saying it. But actually, a guy named Nehemiah said it. He said, fight for your wives, for your children, for your for your sons, daughters, for your homes, for your family. He, he used that kind of language. He said, fight for your family. So I thought, that's interesting because there's a guy that we really don't know much about his family, but he did have a fight on his hand because God had called Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem, where he's from, and to rebuild the wall around the city because it was broken down. And back in those days, if you didn't have a wall around your city, you were vulnerable to enemies coming in and attacking you. And so they had to rebuild the wall. And so he felt called to do that. And in the middle of an attack, in the middle of being attacked by people that did not want Israel to have prominence again, that did not want God's people to rise up again, they were attacked. And he got everyone together and said, hey, we have to fight for our families. So I thought maybe Nehemiah, who gave us that phrase, can also give us some insight into how to fight for our families. So I want to unpack that today. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4, if you've got your Bible app, that's fine too. Pull that out if you would. And uh, as you go there, I'm going to read real quickly from Nehemiah 6. I want a little insight about the wall that they rebuilt around Jerusalem, by the way. Uh, it's interesting how fast they did it. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15 says, The wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Nehemiah was building something special. It wasn't just a wall. It was helping make the city prominent again. In the same way, I believe that your family, you're building something special. That God has given you something special in your family. So we need to build that. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you fight for your family? Because I don't know if you've figured this out yet, but God has a great plan for your marriage. The devil has a plan too, and it's not good. God has a great plan for your kids, but the devil has a plan for them too. 
And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm tired of talking to families who are falling apart. Not because I don't care, but because I'm getting mad. I'm watching good people lose their marriages. I'm watching good people lose their children. And I believe it's time for us to rise up and fight against that. So I'm excited about this message. I'm going to give you some practical help today from God's Word on how you can actually fight for your marriage. Now, where we pick up in Scripture, they're halfway done with the wall. It's halfway done. It's about a month in. Uh, it only took them a little under two months to do it. But also, being halfway done means what? It means it's a mess. There's a lot of rubble. There's a lot of stuff. You ever try to, you ever try to clean your garage? When you're halfway done, does it look cleaner or dirtier? It looks dirty. You're like, this is a mess. Somehow this somehow got worse, right? But you're actually halfway done. When you're halfway done with school, you're tired. You're worn out. You're like, oh, I got so many, so much, so much classes to still take and so much work to still do. But you're halfway there. And oftentimes when you're halfway through is when you want to quit. It's when you're halfway through a project. And it is, it's no surprise that about halfway into your marriage, the devil attacks it. About halfway into raising your kids, right? They hit those teenage years, the devil attacks. And so that's part of it. So what do you do? How do you fight for your family. Let's pick up in scripture. Check this out. It says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 12, the Jews had lived near, who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So in other words, there were some Jews that lived in Jerusalem. There were some that lived around Jerusalem because it wasn't safe to live there. So that a lot of people moved out, but they lived near the enemy, people that were not Israelites that did not believe in Israel and, and, and who they were. And so by the way, there's still enemies that live right next to Israel. That hasn't changed over the years. And so that, that, it's amazing how so much has changed in the world, but so much has just stayed the same. They still have enemies right beside them, right? So anyways, the Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So keep this in mind when it comes to your family members. I just want just to say this before I get to the main point, and that is that whoever is closest to the world is making the whole va- family vulnerable. Do you hear that? Whoever in your family is closest to the world makes the whole family vulnerable. And for those of you who say, well, they're probably talking about me. And you know what? It's my life. I can do what I want. It is your life, but it's not your family. So your decisions affect not just you. They affect your kids. They affect your spouse. They affect your mom and your dad. It affects the whole family. And so I mean this in a loving way, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Don't be the weak link. Don't be the one that's playing around with the world and you wonder why people are upset in the family. You may be causing it. So God wants us to be strong and to be distant from the world, meaning that we're supposed to be set apart. I know we're in the world, but we're not supposed to be of it. We're supposed to be different. There's supposed to be a uniqueness to who we are. He says this, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall. Notice he didn't say, so I I prayed more. So I started a Bible study. So I got together with my friends and we called out to Jesus. I'm all for prayer. I'm all for Bible study. But guess what he says? He says, so I got some swords. He's like, what was that? Oh, I got a knife. Let me get it out right now. Nehemiah ain't messing around, is he? He's like, whoa. Like, isn't it funny how we think because we're Christians, we're all supposed to be sweet and nice, and, and, and we're all supposed to be nice and sterile and clean and this and that. Well, family isn't like that, is it? It gets messy with family, which means you got to understand the world is bringing a knife to the fight, so you better bring a sword. we got to get serious. So what does he say? He says, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. So he's like, okay, you see the hole in the wall? You stand here with your knife. You see an arm come through there, take it off. There's no way he would say, yeah, that's what he said. Fisher said, you take it off. And guess what? It only takes one loss of one arm for everyone to get it. Oh, Nehemiah is serious. 
All it takes is one. And everyone's going to be, okay, whoa, 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 okay, 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 all right, all right, we'll back off. And so Nehemiah knew that if you're going to fight us, we're going to fight you back. And so I want to challenge you today that you need to get some fight in you for your family, for your marriage, for your kids. We've gone way too easy. The world is bringing their A game. We better bring ours. And so they're attacking us. They're attacking our families. They want to attack your marriage. There's a reason why 80% of all immoral scenes, all sex scenes, either showed or implied on television, are showing couples not married. What's the message? The message is sex is better outside of marriage. And that's a lie. But that's the message you're being told over and over again every day on television. So the world is is trying to entice you to break up your marriage, trying to entice you to not believe in a nuclear family that, that God has brought you together. It's just not true. So we need to understand this and we need to protect our families. It says in, in uh, Nehemiah chapter eight, he said something very interesting. I find it interesting. Some of the phrases that Nehemiah said, we, we kind of think they're somewhere else in the Bible, but Nehemiah said, and he said, fight for your family. He also said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When I heard that phrase, I thought, surely that's a Psalm. That just sounds like something you'd read in the Psalms. But Nehemiah said it. So why would God have the general contractor of the wall of Jerusalem be the guy who makes a phrase that sounds like praise to me. Why would, that doesn't really match, but maybe it's because God knows that whatever you're called to do, you won't do it unless you have joy. Because the devil can't take your calling and he can't take your gift, so he's going to try to take your joy. And so maybe for you, there's a little phrase you need to use in your family. Maybe it needs to go something like this if you need to confront someone. You say, hey, listen, I love you, but you're stealing my joy. You're taking the joy out of this. You're taking the joy out of the marriage. You're taking the joy out of parenting. You're taking the joy out of being part of the family. So can you quit sucking the joy out of the room by the way you act? Can you quit sucking the joy out of the room by the way you talk? By the way you handle yourself? And you say, man, that, that seems really harsh. We need to get serious about protecting our families. If we don't, bad things are going to happen. How serious am I talking about? I'm talking about when your kids are acting up and, you know, one of them says, oh, mom, dad, we're just going to go down the street to Waterburger. We'll be there till 11 or whatever. Why don't you drive by and make sure they're there? Oh, they're not there. I'm so mad. So I'm going to go back home and be mad. Don't go home and be mad. Go in and find a kid that looks about their age and say, hey, you know so-and-so? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm their dad. Do you know where they're at right now? Oh, sir, I'm not sure. No, yeah, you do. Where'd they go? Who's having the party? Where is it? Oh, it's in this neighborhood. Do you know the address? No, but it's like the first street. Okay, thank you. Drive on over. Walk in the door. And you say, well, it's going to be so embarrassing. All these people are probably partying, solo cups everywhere. Everyone's doing their thing. I don't care. I'm going to walk right through and say, come on, let's go. You're coming with me right now. Oh, that'll be so embarrassing. You will not be embarrassed? Don't go. Go yank their butt right out of that. You need to know what's going on. If you're a little nervous about something going on at work and you're like, you know what? I just want to just check on things. Why don't you take lunch to your husband? Take lunch to your wife and just see what those coworkers look like. That's funny. You never mentioned that little cutie over there that walks in around your office. I didn't know. You never mentioned her before. Who is that? You say, well, okay, you're, you're telling me to accuse my spouse. I'm not telling you to accuse your spouse. I'm telling you not to be stupid. Don't, don't you realize there's a world that wants to attack you, that the devil has a plan for your marriage to destroy it, to mess you up? He's going to throw anything he can in front of him or her to do it. We need to get serious about this fight. We need to step up and realize we have to fight for our family. Let me tell you something. This is not a family series. This is a fight series. We have to learn to fight for what we value. You say, well, man, that seems a little strong, and you're kind of going over the top. No, I'll tell you what I think is over the top. The fact that someone wants to offer my 16-year-old cocaine, that's over the top. You say, I'm offended by what you call family. I'm offended by the fact you want to destroy mine. And so we need to get serious about this, guys, and I'm talking to the men in the room right now. Man, we need to do our jobs and be protectors. 
We need to know what's going on with our kids and with our families and get involved, get plugged in. Oh, that just sounds kind of sexist. There's a lot of really strong women. I know there's a lot of strong women, but there's also a lot of tired women because there's men not doing their jobs. So let's step up. Let's step into the role. I have a warrior wife, but I don't want her to have to fight the fight because I'm not doing my job. I want to do my job as well. She fights alongside me, and I'm thankful for that. But let me tell you something. Men, we're needed. It's time to plug back in. The truth is, is that you make a major difference in your home. And men, I'm coming hard at you right now because I don't want to see women have to go into battle. Men, that's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. And you know what I find? I find that women don't get upset at this message. They say, preach it. Please preach that. Let them know. Yes. Because we need to step up. It's a big deal. Take threats seriously. Number one, take threats seriously and don't be passive. We need to be active. We need to be involved. We need to know what our kids are doing, where they're going, who they're hanging out with, what they're looking at on their phone. We need to know what's happening with our spouse. We need to be involved in our families. Quit cluing out. Quit acting clueless and be like, all these kids these days, you never know what they're doing. Well, you should know what they're doing. You should be involved. They're like, well, they're going to think I'm spying. I'm not spying. I'm going to walk in and tell them I need to see your phone right now. There's no spying going on. Give me your phone. I don't have a problem with that. Let me see it. What are you looking at right now? We need to know what's going on. Did you know that 40% of 13-year-olds have already had a text sent sent to them? 40% by the time they're age 13 have already had a nude sent to them. Now think about a survey that was taken like that. It was taken by a group called Asurian, Asurian Global Tech Group. They found the study of each other. Let me just ask you something. Do you think the average 13-year-old is going to be honest about that? So if 40% were honest, how many of them lied? It's way higher than 40%. I guarantee you that. Now, Dad, you're cool with that, right? You're cool with your, your daughter getting, getting a picture of some kids, you know what? Oh, you're not cool with that? Then why aren't you looking at their phone? Why don't you know what's going on in their life? Well, you know, my daughter's got some boyfriend. You ever met him? No. Why? Why not? First of all, they need to go through you before they get to her. There should be a dinner. You're talking. You ask questions. You should know this person. And if they're not comfortable enough to, you're not, but listen, you think you're big and bad as a 16-year-old kid, you're not big and bad enough to sit in front of me and talk to me about what your intentions are and what you're going to do, then you're not going to be going out with my daughter. That's how that's going to work. Or my boys. I want to know. I want to be involved in their life. Why? Because the world is attacking. Listen, they're making apps right now designed to be deceitful, designed to erase what's sent. What do you think that's for? We need to get serious about this, guys, and realize there are threats to our family. There are threats to our marriages. There are threats going on, and we need to protect, and we need to guard, and we need to get serious about this. So what do we do? Number two, call a family meeting. Call a family meeting and share a new vision, or maybe share an old vision. See, this is where I tell my kids, hey, I want to remind you guys how this whole family got started. It got started because a boy fell in love with a girl. And God brought us together and we fell in love. And we thought we want to do this and we want to, to, to love one another and be here for each other. And then, and then out of that love came, came kids. And we want to be the family that's fun, that's exciting, that you want to be a part of, that we also hold God's standard and we trust the Lord and we lift him high and we're different than other families. And so sometimes I have to stop everyone. Everyone come in here. Things aren't going. You ever had to do this, dad? If you haven't done this in a while, you need to start leading, man. Say, hey, everyone get in here right now. I don't like the way you talk to your sister or your brother. You know what? That's not who we are. What are you destined for? And they always look back at me and say, greatness, because they know I've sold them since they're younger. You're destined for what? And they say, what? You're destined for what? 
greatness. My kids say it all the time to me. They know that. And, and you know what? This helps because when I see them hanging out with someone I don't like and I know they're not honoring God, I'll be like, hey, why are you hanging out with so-and-so? Well, you know, they're really cool and this and that. Well, you know, you're destined for what? Greatness. Are they destined for greatness? Tell me about their future. Oh, yeah, they're kind of, you know, they're doing this and doing that. Why are you hanging out with them? Because you're destined for greatness, so why are you hanging out with average? You're going somewhere, aren't you? Because you become the conglomerate of the five people you're closest to. So how's that going to turn out? Why are you hanging out with them? Let's raise the bar. And by the way, if you raise the bar, pull up your friends with you. That's great. That's great. Drag them to church with you. And so I love the fact that my kids were always bringing friends to church. That's great. That's where you need to go. Take a, listen, your friends are dragging you to the party. You drag them to church. Let's get, that, let's get that going the right way. Bring them with you. Let's change the environment. You know what? My parents always did this. I didn't really realize what they were doing until I was older. If I remember, I would go to my mom and dad. I was, you know, 14, 15, 16. Hey, there's this camp coming up. There's this Christian concert. There's this event, you know, at church or this, this Christian retreat or whatever. Can I go? And I wouldn't even say, can I go yet? And they'd be like, yeah, you can go. And I'm like, well, I haven't told you how much it costs. They're like, we don't care. You can go. They'll find the money. It was amazing. My parents always said yes to camps, retreats, Christian events, concerts, whatever. They would, I, I mean, I'd go, you know, to another state to do it. They'd be like, we'll cover it. And they would always make sure that I went to all that. But then there were these other friends. I was like, hey, so-and-so called. I was going to go to the mall and hang out. They're like, oh, yeah, we're a little busy. I was like, I don't think we're busy. I thought we were kind of sitting around. No, no, we're busy tonight. We kind of got a lot going on. I don't know if they're like, oh, okay. And every time I'd mentioned going out, we always were busy suddenly. I didn't understand. I was like, I didn't think we were that busy, but we, we are. And it just never dawned to me that my parents knew this. You can't really choose your kids' friends, but you can choose their environments, which will choose their friends. Does that make sense, parents? So choose the environment, then in the environment, they'll pick their friends out of that group. And so because of that, almost every one of my closest friends were, were Christians and honored the Lord. And so I was surrounded by that. And so, and I would witness to a lot of people that weren't Christians, hung out with them on the football team or the track team. A lot of guys weren't Christians, but I ended up being a witness to them. And so, but it was because I was around my Christian friends long enough that that was such an influence on me that I wanted to take that to my other friends. But I want to encourage you with this, that we got to put them in the right environment. But don't think environments just matter for kids. They matter for adults too, don't they? I bet there's places you don't want your husbands going, right, ladies? I bet there's places you don't want your, your wives going, right, men? Environments matter at all ages. And so we've got to be at the right place doing the right thing with the right people. Call a family meeting, get a new vision, share that vision. Hey, this is why we treat each other better. This is why we don't go to these kind of places because our family's different. This is who we are. We're destined for greatness. God has good things for us, so we're going to live differently. It's going to look differently. And so give that vision to that. Share them with them how it's going to be different. This is what he did. He said, then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. What do you say? Fight for your family. And so you got to give a vision. He basically said, hey, we're Israel, man. We're God's people. And so we're going to get this wall built. I don't care what those people say. No, 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 no. Everybody get in here. This is what we're going to do. We're going to protect ourselves because we're Israel. We're God's children. So you got to remind people who you are. Remind your family. By the way, this is also called the Nehemiah principle because halfway through, halfway through 52 days, he, 52 days, he, he called a meeting just to remind them why they were building the wall, just like in the middle of it. This is, this is a vision principle, which means about every 30 days, about once a month, you need to remind your family why you do what you do. Just take it in my head. Just want to take a moment and just say that we are different. We're God's people. We're God, God's hand is on us. I don't just use the word, hey, we're Christians. I say, you know what? We're Cornelius's. That means something to us. That means we live at a higher level with more vision and dreams and God's going to do big things through us. You should speak the same way about your family. 
and say, hey, man, we're the Smiths. We're the Garcias. We live differently. We raise the bar in our family. This is how we do it. My kids are like, why do I need college? Because that's what we do in our family. We're educated. We're going somewhere. Change the language you speak over your children, over your family, and raise the bar. Does that make sense? If you will do that, speak it over them, it, it's a game-changing thing. You're just giving them a new vision. Because guess what? When you don't have a vision, you do stupid things. You, you just, if you ask anyone who's doing something dumb, you're like, hey, why are you, why are you, why are you doing meth, man? Yep. I don't know. What do you want to do with your life? I don't know. Well, that explains why you're doing meth, because meth doesn't have a future. So if you don't have a vision for your life, then that would make sense today. <laughs> just to, man, I just want to feel good in the moment. But that also will destroy you. You don't even want to tell, don't even get me started on what your teeth are going to look like in about five years, let alone your lungs and your capacity and your ability to think straight. You're destroying your future. But if you have a future vision, you will live restrained when you're offered stupid things. You'll be like, no, I don't do that. Why? Because I'm going somewhere in my life. That's why I don't do that. You know, in the buffet of life, if you're going to be in line at the buffet, yeah, it's all good. If you're in line at the buffet, we oftentimes load up on the cheap stuff. Yeah, oh, I'll take some of that jello. Yeah, that was good. Look at that, all shiny and all glittery. I'll take, yeah, look at that. I'll take some of that. I'll take, oh, look at that casserole. Give me some of that. And you load up. And people who own buffets are smart enough to know they put the expensive meat at the end because they know we're dumb enough to fill up before we get to the good stuff <laughs> because we didn't show any restraint. But if we'll actually hold back and be like, well, I know he or she looks cute, but no, I've seen some other things in your life that don't honor God. I'm just going to keep on going. I'm just going to wait. No, I'm going to pass on that. What's the event you're going to the party? No, I'm going to pass on that. I'm just going to keep on going. And then eventually you get down to it and everyone else's plate is full of foolishness and yours is empty and ready. You're like, load me up on the good stuff now. Amen. Good thing comes to those who wait. Yes. So we have to learn to wait. Look at the Bible says about this. It says this in Proverbs 29. It says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. Unrestrained living means that you don't have a vision. Unrestrained spending means you don't have any plans for those dollars. Yeah, I'm going to go to the mall and just spend whatever I got. Why? Because I'm not really thinking about the future, about maybe buying a house or maybe getting a rental house or investing in the stock market and, you know, having a retirement. And so you just spend what you got now. And so you live unrestrained unless you have a vision for retirement. If you have a vision for your 40s, you live different in your 30s. My boys tell me, Dad, don't just eat anything that comes your way. I know you like food, but if you have a vision for your body, then you won't eat anything that comes along. Why? Because you live, you live restrained so you can be in good shape, feel better, look better, all that. He said, but otherwise, you're not going to like what you turn into if you have no vision physically for what you want to be. It's brilliant. Or as my son Cole told me one time, he said, Dad, don't let the one part of your body, the tongue, control your entire health. It's brilliant, isn't it? I was like, ooh, that's convicting. <laughs> now pass me a cheeseburger. Anyways, <laughs> it's not easy, I know. But... If we'll live restrained lives, it's actually saying, I have a vision, I have a future. It says in the New Century Version, the same verse, it says, where there is no word from God, people are uncontrolled. But those who obey what have, they've been taught are happy. And so when you don't have a word from God, you live uncontrolled. Uncontrolled dating, unrestrained dating means you do anything with anyone. Guess what? Then you're not have a, you don't have a vision for a good marriage one day because you can't date like the world and have a marriage like God. You can't do that. So you got to live restrained to say, man, I'd love to put my hands on you, but I know God doesn't want me to do that. So I need to get to know who you are Hallelujah. instead of what you look like. And then guess what? God will give me a godly marriage that will go the distance rather than something that's going to be a short thrill and it's over. And then all you're left with is regret and shame. Instead, God has a future for your life. You say, man, God's just trying to keep me from having fun. No, God's trying to get you to have a lifetime of fun that lasts. 
rather than a cheap thrill today that cheats your tomorrow. Don't get to the end of a buffet line thinking, man, I loaded up. I pigged out on all the cheap stuff. And now I'm missing the good stuff. If you wait, it pays off. Man, I'm glad I waited. It has paid off. It has paid off. I'm blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. It's true. I'm telling you. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. We have to get some self-control back. This is something we don't like to teach as parents because you know why? Your kids throw a fit over it. I need you to get up. I need you to take the garbage out. I need you to, to, to make the bed. I need you, you know, will your kids do the same thing? Do your kids do what my kids do? They have a little rope on the back of their head and it's like I pull it. If I ask them to do something, they go, I don't want to have to do that. It's amazing. You've seen that invisible rope. Does your kid have that too? Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Hey, can you get up and take the garbage out? I don't want to have to do that. It's amazing how that works. My wife has this little thing on my, my daughter's phone called RPAC. She loves it. Don't you love RPAC, baby, don't you? She loves it. RPAC is something we put on when she was a lot younger. And basically what it means is she could shut the whole phone down in an instant. So we're like, so we're yelling upstairs, Sophie, we need this, we need that. We don't hear any response. We're like, there's no, you know, she's probably listening to music, you know, and, uh, or, you know, whatever. And she's into, uh, you know, on the phone with someone. They're like, Sophie, Sophie. Finally, like, finally, I'm like, Jessica, just hit the phone. So she just clicks the RPAC. It shuts her whole phone down. Just goes, Choo! all shuts down immediately. It's amazing. Within seconds, Sophie's like, hey, did you need something? What do you need me to do? I'll be glad to help out with it. <laughs> it's amazing how fast that happens. You know what I'm talking about? I love you, baby. I do love you. But it's true, right? And so what, what happens? We have to teach restraint. We have to teach control, self-control. Call a family meeting, share a vision of why. Let me tell you why you need to go to school. Let me tell you why you need to not blow off your homework. You know why? If you have a vision for what you're going to do with that information, it's going to make you better. But if you don't have a vision, you blow that stuff off. But once you get a vision for your future, you're like, you know what? I need to be educated. I need to know what I'm talking about. I need to be smart about this. And so I'm going to actually put my, my time into the studies. So you have to have a vision. A vision is required to have restraint in any area of your life. Otherwise, you spend everything you get, you eat everything you get, you go out with whoever you want, and guess what happens? At the end of all that, you're like, man, I have nothing to show for. I have nothing to show for because I didn't, I didn't take the time to save up, to save myself for someone, to save my money for something greater. If, if you don't do those things, you won't have the future that you want. Call a meeting, share a new vision of what God wants your family to look like. And then here's the big thing. If I could boil it all down to this, it's this next point. This is how you fight. Here's how you fight for your family. Nehemiah 4. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, I love that phrase, but from then on, some of us need to get smart about our marriages. From now on, I'm doing it this way. You get smart about your parenting. From now on, this is how it's going to roll. You got to get smart about it, right? You need to recognize there's an enemy that wants to attack you, so you got to live a little differently. So from now on, okay? From now on, only half my men worked while the other half st uh, stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand, supporting their load, and with the other hand, holding a weapon. I love that supporting their load, by the way. You're going to build something great, you've got to have everybody supporting their load. Let me ask you something. This can be honest. I'm just going to throw this out real quick. It's not what the message is about, but I want to mention this. You're a part of Church Unlimited. Thank you for that. Thank you for being a part of this church. I know you come each weekend attend a service, uh, maybe you even serve. Let me ask you something. Are you carrying your load? Or are you expecting everyone else around you to tithe and you can skip out on that? So is someone else carrying your load and you're enjoying the benefits of a great youth group and great youth ministry and children's ministry and great music and worship and all those things because someone else is paying for it? We need to all carry our load. 
just want to challenge you with that. Why? That's part of being responsible. And by the way, if you're single in here, you think, oh, I didn't need this series. This is for married people. No, 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 singles, you do need this series. This is preventative maintenance. And by the way, let me just say right now, especially to the women in the room, if you're single, if a man's not serving in a church, you shouldn't date him. Because if you won't serve in God's house, he won't serve in your house. They need to be serving. They need to be serving. It's a game changer. Men and women, we should be serving in God's house. It changes our hearts. By the way, 80% of young people when they leave for college no longer go to church. 80% drop out. 80%. I've raised them right up. Why are they not serving? But there's one caveat to that stat. The, the stat jumps far higher to those who find a church if they were serving in high school in their local church. Then they go on and they miss that. They're like, I miss making a difference. Then they get involved in the church and they serve in that local church. So I want to challenge you to be involved and to be serving. Carry the load. Carry your part. So it says here, the, the leader station, I'm sorry, let me, back, let, me back, let me fast forward. The laborers carried on the work with one hand, supporting their load, and with the other hand, holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. That's my job today. I'm the trumpeter. I'm sounding the alarm on your family to protect your kids, to protect your marriage. I'm sounding the alarm today. Guys, during COVID, it's gotten worse. And let me tell you why. I've seen more marriages break up during COVID than probably in my entire ministry. It's, it's unbelievable. And here's, here's, why. here's what COVID did. COVID just exposed what was already going on. And all of a sudden, you're at home more. And if there were cracks already in that marriage, and those cracks got bigger and bigger when you're with them all the time. If there were fights when you came home from work, now you're home all, all day. If you had issues with your children before, now it's right in front of you every single day. So COVID has exposed that. This is not a time to end a marriage or to end your family. This is a time to strengthen your marriage, to strengthen your family, to fight for your marriage, to fight for your marriage. Someone needs to get some fight in this place. We need to care. We need to pour our heart into what matters most. So how do you do this? Here's a two-fold strategy Nehemiah teaches right here. Here it is. If I could give you the crux of the whole sermon, here it is right here. Create a two-fold strategy to fight for your family. Build and protect. Build and protect. Build and protect. It's not one, it's both. How do you build? How do you build a family? Here's how you do that. First of all, when you think something kind, say it. When you think something kind about your kids, say it to them. When you think something kind about your spouse, say it to them. Men, you think your wife looks really attractive today? You need to tell her that. If you think, man, I'm so blessed to have her as a mother of my children, you need to tell her that. Women, if you think, man, my husband, man, he looks really strong. I just feel like he, he does so much for us. Tell him that. Appreciate that. If you see your kid, catch your kid doing something good, tell them that. Let them know how proud of them you are. Let them know you're excited for that. My son, Cole, is releasing this new ministry thing he's doing with Instagram. He's really trying to minister. Everyone's fighting each other. He's trying to minister to people. And I'm proud of you, man. You just released that, started last night. Good job. I'm proud of you. I want you to know that. I'm grateful for you. Go check it out. When you see something, when you see something good, say it to your spouse, to your kids. Let them know how grateful you are for them. Make, make sure you speak it. Make time a priority. Take some time. This week, I'm, I'm going to get away. And, I, and actually, this is really cool. My boys, you know, they're a little like, oh, why can't we go? But the truth is, is they know why. It's not because I don't love them. I do love them, but I only have two more years left in the house with, with my daughter, Sophie. So we're going to have some time. We're just going to take a quick trip together and I'm going to take her out of school. You're, you're taking her out of school just for a trip? I am, because I never want school to get in the way of my children's education. Did you catch that? Yeah. School's great. And my daughter is in an amazing school. I'm glad she's there and she gets that. But you know what? Sometimes it's okay. And so we're going to get some great time together because I only have 
I only have a couple years, and I'm going to use that well. Make time a... Mm, sorry. Really love that girl. Make time a priority, or as I like to say, you can build your family one dinner at a time. And so having your kids sit at the table with you is such a precious moment. We need to get back to eating at home with our kids. You say, I don't want to cook. Don't cook. Bring home Kentucky Fried Chicken. Order a pizza. I don't care about that. Get around the table. And when you're around the table, put the phones up. Get a phone basket. Everybody put your phone in, right? And they say, oh, I'm going to keep my headphones in, but they're turned off. Well, then you can take them out. <laughs> if they're turned off, you don't even hear. So have them take them out, put the phone up. Did you know there was a study done that, that you enjoy your meal 20% more if there's no phones on that table? So we kind of have a running joke among our kids. We say, hey, let's make this whole meal 20% better. And everyone knows, put your phones off the table. Put them in your pocket, put them up. Don't leave it somewhere they can still see it because, you know, we're still distracted, aren't we? We're like, yeah, I'm here. No, put it up. Put it up completely. If you'll do that, you'll improve that time. Parents just say, well, my kids will never say anything. Well, you got to teach them to talk. You got you to teach them how to treat you. You got to teach them to talk. So here's a phrase I like to use. I've used this before, but I want to remind you this again. I'll say to my kids, give me your high and your low. That means what was your high point of the day? What was your low point of the day? It gets them talking. Just ask them, what's going on? How you doing? What, you know, what's happening with this and with that? And so ask those questions. And so make time a priority. Attend church regularly. This is huge. This is huge. Just attend church regularly. I'm so proud of my good friend, Scott. He's right here in the front row. And uh, he, he went through a whole, horrible tragedy years ago, lost his wife. He, his wife brought him to church, and he has still continued to come, even, if she's, even when she's in heaven. And he brings the kids. I love that. You inspire me. You inspire a lot of people. It's inspiring to see that, that you're plugged in and you're bringing your family. Thank you for that, Scott. Thank you for the witness you are to so many people by that. Thank you for that. And you've got amazing kids because of it. You really do. Feed your mind good stuff. Feed your family's mind good stuff. Guard what's coming in the television. Guard what's coming in the internet. Guard what your kids are watching. You need to know what they're doing on those phones and what they're looking at. So that's important that you do that. You should go on their Netflix account and see what they've watched recently and have conversations about that. Why are you watching this? Let me tell, let me tell you what, that, what that's teaching you. And so talk about those things. And so I'm not trying to say that we all have to be, you know, uh, you know remove our TV and, and be Amish. I'm not suggesting that. I'm simply saying that if they're going to be in the world, let's help them to navigate this world. Help them understand what they're watching. And here's why we don't watch that versus this. And draw some lines and don't be afraid to do that. Okay. Here's the ways to protect. That's how, that's how you build. Now here's how you protect. When you have a concern, say it. When you have a concern, say it. Don't just sit there and just begrudgingly watch your kids walk in the house with a friend that you don't like. Say it. Say, what are you doing to hang out with them? You're destined for something, right? You're destined for what? And then my kids say back greatness because I've taught them that. So you're destined for greatness. Why are you hanging out with them? Talk about it. If you have a concern about your spouse, about who they're hanging out with, talk about it. You should ask that question. You have a concern about what they're doing, where they are. You're late a lot. What's going on? Talk about it. Don't be afraid to call them out. If you have a concern, say it. Guard your time with your family. This is a big deal. We, want, we drag our kids on vacations whether they want to go or not because we want that time with them. And so pull them into events and say, no, 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 this is family night. We're doing this again. Oh, but I got this night going on. Not tonight. Not, not, not tonight, you know. We're going to hang out together tonight, okay? And so that's important. Get your whole family involved in church. That's another thing. And guard your mind from the wrong things. But let me say this. You build and you protect, right? You build your marriage, you protect your marriage. You build your kids, you protect your kids. Can I warn you of something? Some of you are so good at protecting, but you're not building. 
Some of you are a little judgmental towards other couples that have fallen into infidelity. Like, well, you know, I'm not running around to my, my husband or my wife. I would never do that. No, no, no. I'm faithful to my dry marriage. So you're guarding it, but you're not building anything. And you expect your husband, oh, no, don't you be looking around at anything. Oh, you can't touch me. No, I'm too tired. Don't you look at anything. What? So you want to protect, but, but not build anything. So you want, you want me to be faithful, and, and we're going to be faithful. We'll want to protect that, and there's no excuse not to be. I'm not suggesting that you go through a dry patch. It just opens the door for, oh, no, I'm not saying that. But why don't we build something worth protecting? So let's build that passion, that romance, that adventure. I don't want to just tell my kids, no, you can't go with this. No, you can't go with that. No, you can't go with this. And then make our home lame. They're like, so I can't, I can't go anywhere and do anything, but I got to stay here and there's nothing cool here. So design your home with kids in mind. Make it the cool place to be where your kids have things to do and you're going places, you're doing things. It's like, we're like, yeah, I mean, I have to hang up with my parents, but we go do cool stuff. So you're building something. So build and protect. It's not one or the other. So we tell our kids, you know, we live by the coast. No, spring break, you're not going to the beach. But guess what? We're going to go skiing. We're going to go have a blast. We're going to have a lot of fun every night. We're going to go out. We're going to do kind of stuff. And you say, you have the money for that? Yeah, because guess what? Once again, I've been restrained early, so I have some money to do something with now. Do you hear what I'm saying? So I restrain myself from a new car every other year, which is what most people do, so I have money for a vacation every year. Are you hearing me? Let's build something great with our time, with our spouses, with our kids, and then let's protect it. Don't just protect, build. Don't just build. Oh, we're the cool family. We have a lot of fun. And then you watch your, your daughter or your son walk in with some idiot. Guess what? You're building something fun, and you let an idiot in to enjoy it. So you didn't protect it. And then you wonder why they get involved in stupid things. So be the fun family. Build it, but protect it at the same time. It's not one or the other, it's both. All right, I'm out of time. Right now, I want to challenge you. We're talking about fighting, and I can't help but go back to the men. I, I want to challenge the men in the room right now. And again, I want to say, ladies, you are warriors. We are so thankful for you. What you do is unbelievable. Can we just give it up for our single moms real quick in the house? You guys are incredible. You amaze me. You do. But I believe every single mother who can hear my voice right now and every mother right now would also say we need men involved with their kids, with their family. I'm telling you right now, we need you, Dad. So we're starting with you today. So right now, I want everyone to stand to their feet at all of our campuses right now. We're starting with you, Dad. I know it's COVID. Be careful. That's fine. But I want to challenge the men to come down and say I want to lead my family spiritually. I want to come down and I want to honor him. I'm going to, I'm, God, I'm putting you first. And so, men, I'm challenging you right now. If you can hear my voice, hear this challenge. I am calling out the trumpet that there is a devil attacking your family. Men, fight for your family. It's so funny how fast we watch John Wick beat up everybody. How much will go on. And, we, and some of you guys are spending all your time, you're spending all night fighting fake digital enemies, but you're letting the real enemy whoop you. We need to get serious about the real battle of this world and recognize there's a battle for your soul, a battle for your mind, a battle for your hearts. The Bible says, guard your hearts. Men, we have become vulnerable because we're not honestly communicating with each other, with our spouses. We're not telling the truth about how we need to be men of God. And so lead the way. Look at these men leading the way. Give them a hand right now. All of our campuses are leading the way. They're saying, I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. Get your hands up, men. Get your hands up. Get your hands up, men, right now. Get your hands up. God, I want you to lead my family. 
Some of you are single. It's okay. You say, God, I want you to leave my future family. That begins with me. Make me into the man I need to be one day so I can take care of someone else. So I can take care of someone else. How can you take care of someone else if you're not taking care of you? How can you take care of someone else if you're in debt? How can you take care of someone else if you're messing around on the internet doing stupid things? How can you take care of someone else if we can't trust you? How can we trust you with a wife and kids? God will give you your trust back, but it begins with surrender. You say, God, I need you desperately. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a man who honors you. I want to get in this fight and I'm going to win this battle because greater is he that is in me than he who is in this world. Lord, I claim this over these men. I claim it over their families. In Jesus' name, may they lead not by lording it over their wives, but by leading them with love and serving them first. May they lead. May they serve. May they love their wives as Christ loved the church. You gave your life for the church. I don't see us dying yet. So, Lord, we lay down our lives for our wives, for our families, those who are single. We lay down our lives. We lay down and we hold, we hold restraint for our future wife who we don't even know yet. Thank you, Lord. I can be faithful to her and I don't even have to know who she is yet. Thank you, God. Thank you for these men. Right now, I believe there are men watching us all online, all around the world. Men, I want to challenge you to get your hands up and say, God, I surrender to you. This is a universal sign of surrender. Hands up. I'm yours, Lord. Take me, Lord. Break me and rebuild me into the man you've called me to be. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that all the things I've done you forgive. Men, I want to say this in Jesus' name. You are not what you've done. Did you hear me, men? Let me say it again. You are not what you've done. You are who God says you are. One foolish moment does not define you any longer. In Jesus' name, the blood of the cross covers it. That is over. You are covered by the blood of the cross. The cross was enough to pay for that. And this is a fresh start. In the name of Jesus, I speak over every man in this room that now is your opportunity to be the man God has called you to be. If there's ever a time we need men leading, it's now. Because when we have fathers involved, we build cities. But the fatherless destroy them. We're called to be the leaders God wants us to be. Let's build our families. Let's build something special that's worth protecting. Let's build our lives to honor the Lord. We're building something here at Church in Limited, in case you can't tell. We're building you. We're building you. God's doing something new in this season. I sense it. Anyone else sense it? I sense it. There's something new going on. God's stirring. And Lord, thank you, God, that you're calling us to raise up men who will serve their families, who will serve their spouse, who will serve even the woman they're no longer married to because it's still the mother of their children. May we serve. May we be there. May we plug back in and be involved. I thank you for the man who's here today that maybe needs to move across the country to be near his kids again. Praise God for that. I know you'll have a church for them somewhere, wherever they go, because they're doing the right thing. I pray for the one who is in the middle of a mess in their marriage. May you make this man trustworthy again and rebuild that marriage. You're not done. You're not done. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for for forgiveness and thank you for a fresh start. Thank you, Jesus, that you specialize in resurrections. So may we live a resurrected life in Christ, new in you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you never receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you can receive him right now. You can pray the simple prayer with me. You can just say this out loud. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart.
be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen.